in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, who said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Dear friends in Christ, math is called a hard science, and if you're like me, you may find it hard in more ways than one. It's pretty hard to fake your answers on a math final, isn't it? Because an equation is either correct or incorrect. A theorem is either right or not right. But in Matthew chapter 14, we hear about a different kind of math, God's math. On Monday, we heard seminarian Zach Sippert address us about the prophet Joel and a plague of locusts and how God taught his people some simple math lessons. My theme for you this morning is even simpler still. It's just a fact that God's math is different. Crowds of people had come to hear Jesus preach in a deserted wilderness area somewhere uh, a distance away from the Galilean town of Bethsaida. As the afternoon wore on, a problem arose. And to the disciples, it seemed like a very big problem, possibly an insurmountable problem. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. You see, the disciples had done the math. They penciled it out, and the numbers didn't add up. A nice young boy had come forward with five meager barley loaves and a couple of small fish, but said the disciples hopelessly, what is that among so many? What they were really saying was, this is a problem that has no solution. And that's what so often happens. Man takes a need and adds his human reason and comes up with zero. Most of you are young people. I'd like to warn you right now that a lot of problems are going to come up in your lives that seem just like this. Problems that, to your mind, don't seem to have any kind of solution. Whether it's a crisis in a relationship, the death of a loved one, a sudden illness, whatever it is. If you try to overcome the challenge using your own human reason and your own resources, you'll come up empty every time. Sometimes it will seem to you as if there just isn't a solution for a particular problem. But God's math is different. God takes our need, adds his grace, and provides us with lavish abundance. After testing the faith of the disciples and finding them wanting again, Jesus calmly takes control. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Somewhere between Jesus saying grace and the disciples distributing the food, a mighty miracle took place. Food that was barely enough to feed a family became more than enough to feed a great throng of people. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. 
Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. And really now we have to talk about the measure by which God fulfills our wants and our needs, don't we? Once again, we see that God's math is different. The text simply says they all ate and were filled. But really that's kind of a lame translation. Because in the original Greek, this passage is very explicit. Everyone there ate all that they wanted. They were stuffed. There was no one left who was the least bit hungry. Have you ever finished an awesome meal and said, I don't think I could eat another bite? That's what it was like. The needs of the people had been perfectly and utterly satisfied. How typical of Jesus. And isn't that, in fact, the way that he always works in our lives? So often we face a difficult challenge and we apply our human reason to it. We calculate to the very last decimal point exactly how much we need God to give us in order to get by. We have the math all worked out. But God's math is different. And what is it that so often happens? When God's answer comes, we are overwhelmed with his grace. We're expecting just enough, and what we get is a windfall. We're expecting a bare sufficiency, and what God blesses us with is a lavish abundance. When I look back in the history of my family, I have to say God has done this for us more times than I think I can count. And I believe if we went up and down the bleachers this morning and got your family's story, it'd be exactly the same. And it's even more true of the way God supplies our spiritual needs. The parallel account in Mark tells us that when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Yes, he taught them many things, but I suspect that the main subject he taught them that day was math, the miraculous math of God, how God provided a solution for sinners like you and me, people who had committed an incalculable number of violations of God's law, people with a huge debt of transgressions and offenses, an equation that would never pencil out, that we could never hope to possibly repay with our own good works. That kind of math comes up zero every time. As Paul reminds us, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. But God's math is different. God took our hopeless problem of sin and added his grace to the equation. In his undeserved love for us, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. By giving his innocent son Jesus into death on Calvary's cross, God made our impossible math come out. Irretrievably lost sinners like you and me are retrieved and saved and justified in God's sight. By virtue of your faith in Jesus, you will not be condemned when that terrible last day, that day of judgment comes, but rather you will hear, hear the sweet words of your Savior, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I've told the story before about Emmy, 
a fifth grader who lived in the town of Princeton, New Jersey in the 1930s. Emmy had a problem. Her problem was math, the one subject in school that she could never seem to understand. But then a good thing happened. A kindly old man moved into the house down the street from her house, a man who seemed to know a lot about math. So every day after school, she would take her problems to him and he would help her. Her mother finally found out about it and was appalled to learn that the kindly old man was actually renowned physicist Albert Einstein. She rushed over to his house to apologize for her, her daughter bothering the great man. But Einstein cut her off. He said, she has not been bothering me. When a child finds such joy in learning, then it is my joy to help her learn. Please don't stop Emmy from coming to me with her school problems. She is welcome in this house anytime. My fellow Christians, the problems that will face you in life will sometimes seem to have no solution. When added up in the calculus of your own human reason, they may seem completely insoluble to you. But have courage. And remember that God can solve your problems more easily than Albert Einstein can do fifth grade arithmetic. Because God's ways are higher above our ways than the heavens are above the earth. And God's math is different. Amen. We'll conclude this morning with the singing of stanza one of hymn 54. <laughs>